Hey guys, it's Alex. Uh, just a heads up, this episode was recorded before the big Wizards leak uh, that happened over the weekend. Uh, because of that, there is definitely some information that we do not have while recording it. Uh, this is the problem with leaks, because we people can't plan schedules around what's going to happen, so we apologize if we say dumb things, assuming that things aren't going to happen. I think I talked about Chandra could not be in the set for a good five minutes, and that's just ridiculous now that we have the card available to us. Uh, right, so, yeah. But I uh, hope you guys enjoy the episode, and we will see you after the little intro song. And I will see you guys next week. Have a good podcast. Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Moth. And Kitchen Echo, welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. Happy holidays, everybody. Do we have a special guest? Josh Lee Kwai. How's it? See, he, that's his, he has a signature hello. I just make my voice go all different levels. And he's here. He's from the Command Zone. If is you that, guys don't listen to the Command Zone, that is our sister podcast on rocketjump.com. Is that like a signature? Like, how's it? Like, you spell it H-O-W-Z-I-T and it's one word? Like... Exactly, you got it? it. I actually stole it from all Hawaiians. How's it? <laughs> yeah, Hawaiians. it's a Hawaiian thing. So, got it. You know, are you not Hawaiian? You have no Hawaiian? No, I'm ethnically oh. Hawaiian. Well, partially. You are. Hawaiian. I'm what's called Hapa. I don't think you stole it then. That's just part of your heritage. No, no, true. I didn't exactly steal it in the way that like he borrowed it. That people stole the islands from us. <laughs> I. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're getting political here. No. Uh. Yeah. I just I commandeered it. How about that? Like if I'm like Shalom, I stole it from. No, I'm Jewish. Right. Just, there you go. There you go. <laughs> steal from anyone. I feel like... Speaking this, of which, happy Hanukkah. Yeah, yeah. happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Tonight, tonight is the... Uh, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Monday is the last night. Monday is the last night. <laughs> <laughs> By the time you're hearing this, Hanukkah's over. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Actually, actually, officially for you listening to this right now, because we released podcasts on Tuesday. Yesterday was the last night. Look at you, Alex. Yeah, I know. Time ma- travel. Time travel. All right. This well, is a way to keep podcast. the timelines... <laughs> I got to keep track. I'm, uh, I'm technically time traveling right now. All right. So today we're talking about Oath of the Gatewatch. Yes. So set. stoked. There's all this new stuff. It's crazy. There's one, there's one big one. Almost. The They've like almost a sixth color. Almost. So, well, it's always been around. It's, it's been sort of like a half of a new color, right? Yeah. 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 Wait. So we'll, should we just jump into that? Or do we well, start okay. with the so first, yeah, yeah, let's, first? Okay. So in our outline, we currently have lightning round questions for Josh. So oh. uh you're going to ask Josh a bunch of questions. Should we qualify why we're like... Jo- so Josh is on the other Rocket Jump podcast, the, the cool podcast. The the father, we'll call it, rather than the sister. Yeah, uh, I like sister. We're, 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 <laughs> no, it's like old. They're not like they're not 30 years old. <laughs> no, that's true. It's true. But you guys have several more episodes than us, so you've been around a little longer. Well, we cheated too, because for a long time we did two episodes per week. I was wondering about that. Yeah, so... Our number of episodes, it looks like we've been around for a couple of years. When we've, I think we only started like, I think you started around our episode like twelve ish. Yeah, yeah, we weren't that. Far well, that's behind. what I thought. Yeah, that's totally what I thought. But then I looked on, I looked at Rocket Jump the other day, and I saw you guys had like twenty or thirty more episodes. And I was like, what did I miss? Yeah, we cheated. Well, they do you are know also the story? time travelers. <laughs> do you know the story, Ben? No, here's, no, no. Here's what happened, and I don't know if Alex has told you, but we did 
about 10 episodes of the command zone. And I think Alex was on two of those 10 episodes. And Alex was like, after the second one, he was like, he had this huge smile. He was like, I like this. I can do yeah. this. I can, I can talk. do this. I need to do <laughs> this. talking. And then the next I know him and Glenn Jones are sitting in my um, living room and they're like, we have this podcast that we want to do and we want to put it on Rock and Jump 2 and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, sounds sweet. I right. Do it. So, <laughs> that's, that so is. literally because he was on our podcast a couple of times yeah. and he said, I like talking into a microphone. That's why you guys are here in this kitchen right now. Well, it's remarkable, too, that if you think about it, like podcasting is such a, a hot button thing right now. There's so many great podcasts out there. The culture is really exploding that if you, if you trace back just a year ago, there wasn't already a massive modern podcast. There was like some out there, but like there was only a few. Like you there's a lot more a, now. Any podcast. A modern podcast a mo- about I magic. I like, mean, yeah, two. We're all, we always make people mad when we say things like this about uh, Commander in the Command Zone. But yeah. to be, you know, true to our thinking at the time was like, there is not a limited resources equivalent Commander podcast. Right. Right, right. And that doesn't, that's not to say that there weren't other podcasts about Commander out there, but I just wasn't aware of them. Yeah. And so that was why we stepped in the role. And I think Alex's thinking was the same. There's not a... No, I, I, after those two, oh, I like talking about this subject. I like talking into microphones. But I definitely did research. I was like, oh... I love modern, and there's not really a big modern podcast right. out there. Well, so that's kind of why I was like, well, maybe I can be that big You can feel that podcast. need. You can feel yeah, that yeah. need. And I think there definitely was a need because you guys have really grown by leaps and bounds uh, recently. And I think it shows that like there's definitely like a desire to devour that kind of content out there. Well, even if you look at like just tournament viewership reports, modern often just performs way higher than other formats just because people love watching the format. Right. It's that we talked about it last week. It's the big dichotomy of like make it interesting for watching or make it interesting for pros to enjoy playing it. And Okay, so the reason that we bring all this up is that the point is that so you and Jimmy do the command zone together on rocketjump.com. We'll call it the sister, the father-sister podcast. I like sister. It's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and basically, I mean, there's a lot of people listening to you guys. They love the content, but I don't know that Jimmy's ever been like, Josh, I'm going to interview you. We want to know some things about you. So we thought we'd just throw a couple questions at you to get started today so our audience knows a little bit right, about you. All right, getting ambushed. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we'll go with a quick, easy first What's one. What's your deep, darkest secret? Yeah. <laughs> Strike that from the record. Um, <laughs> I have Blood Moon in one of my decks. <laughs> oh, snap. What is your all-time favorite magic card? Uh, all-time favorite. Boy, that's a tough one. It's probably Fate Stitcher. I just love that card. I love Fate Fate Stitcher was one of the first cards I ever owned. It's a sweet card. It just seems to be like whenever I've got Fate Stitcher out, I just feel so good. I'm like, if you've got a creature, I'll just tap it down. If I want yeah. more mana, I'll just do that. If I want to activate this guy twice, then the Fate Stitcher helps me do that. It's got good It's got good art, too. Yeah. And also, it did make an appearance in Modern at some point yeah, in the look, last year. Like, really quickly, and then it just went away. Well, because it got banned out. I mean, it didn't get banned. Treasure but Treasure, Treasure Cruise did, yeah. All right. Uh, what back. was the first pack of Magic cards you ever Uh It was Legends. Legends? You opened a pack of Legends? Really? Yeah, I've been playing since Beta. So my friends recruited me. I've told the story on our show, but for those who don't know, my friends recruited me. Um, they all played in beta. There was four of them, and they were like, well, there's five colors in Magic, and they all had monocolor decks, and they were like, you should come play with us because we don't have anybody playing green, which, by the way, <laughs> green was the worst color yeah, you by got, a lot. You got yeah. shafted back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, so I, I was like, okay. They taught me how to play with their cards, so I played. And then I didn't really buy any cards for a little while, and then Legends came out, and all the gold cards, and I, my eyes just lit up. I've loved like multicolor. Yeah. Since the beginning, and so Legends was the first cards I actually bought myself. 
There's an interesting thing about multicolor is that like it's by far one of the most popular things that wizards can print, but it's also by far makes the cards that they're like a card is worse by being multicolor. Yeah, for and sure. It's just it's it's kind of like how legendary works. Also, where it's like ooh, it's a legend, but in reality, it's like ooh, it has a drawback. Yeah, <laughs> which is why, well, which is why they end up obviously pushing the power level on yeah. gold cards. Yeah, yeah. Time. Um, what is your favorite non-Magic: The Gathering game? My favorite non-Magic: The Gathering game is probably League of Legends. Okay. I'm gonna say it. It at one point it was World of Warcraft for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know it might be Starcraft. I'm a big Starcraft guy. So Blizzard dot game. <laughs> well, and League, which comes oh, from right. yeah, yeah. basically Starcraft Warcraft. I was a big Warcraft RTS player back in the day. There was a moment of time where I was very good, but then the pro esports scene didn't happen until I was in my 30s. So. If your uh, Ducks were going to have to lose in a uh-huh. national championship to one Pac-12 team, who would it be? USC. That's my other team. Okay, you would you, not happily, but if it was going to happen, you'd lose. I mean, USC. I hate that game every year because it's I'm really like right. torn on who to root for, and I usually just root for whichever one of those teams has the best chance of the national title. Right. Um. So yeah, the, if they're going to have to lose, uh, SC fight what's, on. What's your feeling on fantasy sports? Uh, I I I've done it. I used to do it. It takes so much time that I don't do it anymore. More time than Magic or any of the other games? No, it's just that I have to choose, right? If right. I can play Magic or I can do fantasy sports. Also, I don't love the way that fantasy sports makes me watch sports. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. that I can't root for my team anymore. I have to root for like that defense and then this guy. But sometimes you're like, I want the running back on this team to do well, but then the receiver on the other team to do well. And it's just like I like the purity of being like, I want that team to win. What's your favorite way to win in a game of Commander? My favorite way to win in a game of Commander is probably by having everyone draw a lot of cards until they die. It's a good way. Tax steps are overrated. Yeah, it's definitely not attacking. I mean, I come from old magic, so yeah. the way I learned was that creatures were really bad and you should win with spells. Right, because the blue was just used to be so much better. I still, I honestly still think blue is better. I still think there's always a way to make blue better. But they've, they've worked really well, hard. I mean, like in modern, I would say it's not the best color. And I would argue that in standard, it like... It fluctuates. It fluctuates. I think blue has the potential to be the best color. If played correctly. Because the things that are in its color pie section are yeah. inherently the broken parts of magic. Well, they just <laughs> the thing is they also they, they keep doing things like printing cards like Voice of Resurgence where you're just like, this is so clearly a card that is supposed to be good against everything that I want to be good in magic. And they just keep pushing cards like that and they just keep making them. And then that's annoying for blue players. I think what Ben is saying that he is blue. <laughs> we move on. Yeah. I mean, we all are, right? You, I've heard you say, Alex, that you're probably blue white. I'm a blue green. Yeah. I'm like blue red or blue green. Yeah, yeah, everybody's got that blue base because blue covers, like you said, so many areas. So you you sort of pick one other color and put it with blue. Right. Uh, you well, know, it's most players people do. like drawing cards. I mean, I've actually there's a killing goldfish as a as a blog that he's done a magic review of every set ever, and it's from a much more artistic inclined view of game design mm-hmm. than like Mark Rosewater, which is a much more marketing based review of game design. <laughs> um, and his point has always been that they keep giving blue things just random stuff because it's magic. Being the best at magic in a game called magic is a weird subset to be in because you're just always going to get card drawing, which should be in other colors really. Countering spells vaguely should be maybe more in white than it is. It's just an interesting... It just has all these best parts of magic. It's also the quote-unquote smart color. Right. And yeah, this is a game, a game played by people who consider themselves smart. Right. So yeah. there's just going to be a larger percentage of people, I think, that identify with blue. Yeah, agreed. All right, here's one for you. So uh, I don't, we won't talk about it on the show. I don't know if you talk about it on yours, but you have a cool job. I'll just say that. You have a job that I think is pretty awesome. And 
if you were able to cover magic and play magic for the same monetary amount you make on your job, you could just do magic 100% of the time, would you do it? Would you switch over and abandon your sweet job? Wow. That is really, really tough. For those that don't know, I do uh, movie trailers. Okay. And we can talk about it a little bit. Um, I'm not allowed to say much because I had to sign like an entire book of non-disclosure agreements. But I did recently have a trailer for Star Wars that came out. It was the China trailer, the official China trailer. So if you've seen that, and if you're listening to this, you're a couple days away from watching Star Wars. Yeah. Which what's, is what's, awesome. What's Star? What's yeah, Kessler Star knows nothing. Star Wars. I told Kessler today he was the biggest Star Wars fan that I know. He gave me a shirt. It's like it's got a collar. I told someone today that you're the biggest Star Wars fan I know, and they told me that the guy that does Jedi Lines, another friend of mine, is the biggest Star Wars fan they know. He has tickets for Friday, for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I have. I currently have Thursday and Friday. I, know, that, I might have to put you guys it. in a death match. I'll I have, back to your story. Yeah, I'm not going to see it in the theaters. I've seen it like 1,200 times. So. Um, Anyway, would I give that up for cover? Wow, for the same amount of money, you could do all all like all hands in all the different categories. You could be like a coverage guy. Same amount of effort. You could like also go to the pro tours, like do all of it. You could just. I don't think it. I probably would. I probably say no to that. I do like my job quite a bit, and also, you know, making movies, being involved in movies has been like my dream since I was uh, uh, six years old. I grew up with a camera in my hand. My dad ran the local cable company in our town. Like yeah. I knew that before I knew magic, and I always want, have wanted to be involved in the, in this business. So probably not, but what's great is I get to bring those things that I've been working on in my career for, you know, since I was a child, to magic. And, you know, on that note, one of the exciting things, and Alex was is going to be part of it, uh, are some videos that we are putting together with Woo. the professor from uh, Tularian Community College. And we're going to be doing these really cool videos. I can't give much away. But we're able to bring, you know, because Jimmy's involved in Rocket Jump, who also does like super high quality production stuff. Uh, Let's just say that during the filming of it, a friend of the podcast, V, is for Vincent on Twitter. I definitely bruised his shoulder and kind of took the wind out of him (laughs) at least three times in a row. Yeah, which unfortunately is going to be on the cutting room floor. I'm sorry, Kessler. So Vinny got... Sorry, sorry, Vinny's shoulder. You bruised your shoulder for... For nothing. That's the way it works. Welcome to the movie business. You know this, man. I do. Um, so yeah, the answer I guess is is no. Fair enough. Good answer. Let's get into the episode. All right. So, Oath of the Gatewatch. Oath of the Gatewatch. So my God. Let's talk about the the big thing. The thing everyone's talking about. Wastes colorless mana is now a color, kind of. Well, let's step back to where where everybody thinks this originally came from. So if you listen to Drive to Work, you listen to any Mara stuff, or you read any of his articles, he's been talking for years about the idea that that. I believe sixth it was in color, Time Spiral, Land. right? In Time Spiral was the, was the set that they almost printed the sixth color in. That was the one? Y- I- yeah. There and was a chance that... Purple Mana was what he refers to it as, the, the purple, the sixth color. And the idea would be that it's like a huge thing. They weren't going to burn it on a set that they didn't feel they needed to. And I think that set was already overcomplicated, and they realized that, so they pulled it back. I mean, I, I feel like that's also something that, from every new player's perspective, they're like, oh, what if they add a sixth color? That'd be, And then they start thinking of, oh, and it could be between black and white, and it will be... Yeah, right. A gray color. A grayish purple. A gray... Well, a yeah. A okay. if you will. more importantly, <laughs> they've been talking about a sixth color for a long time. Finally, a few weeks ago, we got a spoiler of the card Wastes, and Wastes came along the new Kozilek, and both of them had this diamond. It's sweet looking. I mean, I'll tell you that much. The, the, the Wastes that I've seen look awesome. They do look sweet. The art is really cool. Like, I want a foil waste. I want all of the foil wastes. You can, you can do that. It'll probably be... Well, that's what's interesting, and we'll get into it about like how playable they'll be in the long run. I can Tribal Flames you for six. 
I'm you can't. No, you no, can't. can't. They don't have they a basic land type. Yeah, so they're not Barry's land. They do not f- affect domain, nor do they affect converge. Ah. Or things like, in our format, collective restraint that just counts how many basic land types you have. Correct. Well, converge that kind of would make sense because it refers to a color. Right. Same with sunburst. Yeah. But it's not a basic land type? Nope. And it's not a color. Ugh. It's basically relentless rats tap, relentless rats tap for colorless. It's basically retconning all of magic so that that diamond symbol is the colorless man right. symbol. So, so now, like, Soul Ring taps for two diamonds. Interesting. So the point that they wanted to make here was... That there's a difference between generic mana. So in the a converted mana cost, there is you need three generic mana of any sort, which right. means that any type of mana that exists, you need three of it. And that's, the, that's the gray circle with the number in it. Right. And... Now, to differentiate from that, there is colorless mana, which is this is mana without color, which is what every non-basic land excluding, not every non, every colorless producing land in and the history of magic. And creature. Yeah. That produces color. Like, if it previously said one or more, it is now diamond and extra diamonds. So it's like a half color. Roughly. It's a half color. It's existed but, forever. The, the thing that they're going to do, most likely, and based off of Kozilek... Right. It seems pretty likely. Is they're going to use it similar to snow mana in the set. So in this set, they're doing colorless matters, and it's specifically colorless mana matters. And I'm guessing halfway through development, they remember they realized, oh, we should signify this somehow. And they were, then realized, oh, this solves a different problem we've had. So are they going to errata old cards? Y- and yes. Cost, casting costs on old cards? But not which... ca- it's not casting costs. Oh, okay, it's only... It. So Ma- Soul yeah, Ring yeah. now produces two diamonds. But yeah. it still uh, costs one generic mana to cast. Correct. So you could cast any mana. But so moving things that forward, produce the colorless... Like the, that generic colorless symbol now produce wastes instead? Or wastes mana? Whatever. Correct. The, it's just called colorless it's, mana? Yeah. yeah. And, and basically you can think of it like this. Colorless mana has always existed. They've just given it a symbol for the first time, and for the first time, we're going to have cards that actually specifically require colorless. Correct. So and we have that like five point six five colors now, essentially, kind of. Sure. Sure. I mean, and and that requiring it might just be an oath of the gate watch. That it was we just do a rough estimate. I just <laughs> it was pretty good. I'm not good at math, but I think that was pretty close. Um, um, we think it's just oath of the gate watch. Although, and you're be. you're a speculation guy, Kessler. So let's go down this rabbit hole. Shadows over Innistrad, there's a lot of speculation that the shadow that is over Innistrad is going to be Emrakul. Because it's going to be weird to have an Ulamog set, a Kozlek set, not have any Emrakul so, show up. So, I, I thought that at first. I think I talked about it on this podcast that I, I thought Emrakul is going... Oh, I just argued with people on Twitter about it. But, <laughs> it's uh, the same as thinking it. Right. And uh, I thought that Emrakul... Because it's, it's very... Because Cthulhu, which is what Emrakul is kind of based mm-hmm. off of, is very is horror-based and mm-hmm. is a very big horror trope. But based off of what I have heard, based off of like like spoiled book copies of like what the story is, it's just Avacyn is turning evil. Oh, sweet! So evil so Avacyn think... in, in black clothing. So Emrakul is just sort of waiting in the wings. We don't know. I think they left Emrakul for the like the like the trilogy of the Eldrazi story. So it's the they, they eventually want to deal with Eldrazi on a different plane, maybe, and they want it to be a bigger endgame. So in two years, we'll see Emrakul. And then we might have Diamond Mana again. Right. Um, Though apparently Diamond Mana is specifically a Kozilek brood mechanic. Here's my thing with the Diamond Mana thing. So I don't... I'm always annoyed when I feel like something is created that is specific to one set that is not going to become a consistent part of the game. No, it is becoming a consistent part of the game. No, I'm saying old lands that tap for it, but new things that require it, unless that's going to become something that you see in every set. It's just like these are... It's parasitic. 
Yeah, the specific it's cards. It's like Splice onto Arcane or yes, Snow Covered, whatever. It makes the cards, like, I, when I think about Magic, don't tend to think about, I don't look at cards and go, this is going to be good in this format, this will be in this format. I tend to think, like, what other cards that have existed over Magic's history does this combine with in a cool way? And then what format can I play that in because that seems awesome? Well, but would you be okay with Splice onto Enchantment? Because, yes, that mechanic is only going to be printed in that set, but for every enchantment for the history of time will work. So for now on, every colorless producing land will be able to cast Kozilek. Which, by the way, to explain, Kozilek is two diamonds and an eight. So it means you can eight of any mana and then two diamond, two colorless mana to be able... You have to have two colorless producing lands to be able to cast him. It may function differently than I'm used to, honestly. I don't know. I haven't played with it yet. And it sounds... The way you just described it, I could see that it is a little bit more vanilla and it, and it sort of meshes better with the rest of the game. It's but kind of like basic land cycling. Yeah, but historically, I'm just saying, when you put something into a set, usually that is specific like that, and it's only specific to the one set, like Suspend or or Vanishing or something. But time even counters. Suspend, like, yes, the cards that affected those were very parasitic, but Suspend counters... Nothing else affects them. You can't... No, but, like, they're, they're, they still do things. Like, the cards still function. Like, Greater Gargonon... Does it doesn't matter what the mechanic is? It's still a thing that you can sack stuff to bring in a nine ten. Yeah, but that's like the only good one. <laughs> the rest of them, like I love ancestral visions. Uh, okay. All of the. I mean, zero I'm a cost. commander player, so Joyra is like one of the most broken commanders there is. I I love time spirals, my favorite set ever, yeah. and suspend and vanishing cards that I absolutely adore. But so like every mechanic is what you're describing. Like monstrous no. only works with monstrous cards. Like no, bestow only works with bestow. Like no, that's not true at all. Bestow is just something you put on any creature. But if you just have a creature with suspend, Monstrous. it just suspends, and you get it three turns later. And what I always say when these sort of com- uh, conversations come up is that I just like the idea that Wizards is trying stuff, and I don't like generally to say, "Oh, why are they doing this?" Because what am I telling them to do if I say every time they do something new? then I'm like, why are you doing this? This isn't going to work. I want them to try stuff and fail sometimes because if yeah, they're not... The internet. <laughs> yeah, if they're not doing that, though, what are we got? What do we got? We got First Strike, Vigilance, Death sets. Touch. You Modern know, sets. Yeah, which nobody likes. You have They have to try it, and it's not always going to work. It's not always going to be the most awesome thing ever, but how do you find the most awesome thing ever if you're not you know, going Trying. into these unexplored places and looking? Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I, look, there's no part of me that isn't going to buy packs. There's no part of me that isn't going to play with the cards. I, well, I'm sure well, I'll yeah, get very excited. Wastes are sweet looking. Exactly. That's, they are that's super the, sweet. The only bummer for me is that I just found out that I can't travel flames for six. I was so excited. <laughs> so if you didn't watch the World Magic Cup thing about it, um, they spoiled the fact that the wastes aren't actually going to be in the packs in the basic land slot. Did you guys hear this? Oh, no. no. So what's going to happen is they're going to be in the common slot, and there's going to actually be two wastes. So there's an Ulamog one and right, a Kozilek, Kozilek one. one. I saw those. And I so saw this too, yeah. It takes up two common slots in the set. Oh, uh, got it. for limited, you will have to draft the waste specifically. Sure. And then this is also going to sort of change, I don't know exactly how, um, the amount of wastes that are sort of out in the world. Now, they are going to be in the fat packs. Yeah, they're in fat packs, and they're also in the pre-con decks will have wastes, yeah. but they'll be not full art wastes, which leads... Which is really weird. Well, weird, and are those going to be the more valuable wastes? Because there's there'll only be less gonna of be, them? There's just going to be way less non-full art wastes. Oh, that is really interesting. Yeah. It would be so sweet if there's a universe where like full art lands of every kind are worth more, except wastes. Yeah. Where the non-full art lands are actually worth more. Do you guys think that there'll be a wastes expedition? No, no, no. no. We, uh, we 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 are confirmed. There's only twenty more expeditions, and based off the fact that filter lands is pretty much confirmed. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, expeditions. There's going to be twenty more. One of them we know is a filter lands. There's the no one. cycles you can create where there's not where there's nine and right. then one waste. Well, right? so. what they could have done is 
10 of those, five other cycle, and then four of the future site ones, because one of them is a, because Graven Cairns is a filter land, oh, yeah. and do a, a single fifth, waste. But people are speculating it's going to be the man lands. There's going to be full 10 in that set. It's a cool That's way. That's I think so, too. Yeah. And last time they had the have lands. Oh, don't they have to have the... the... They're not doing... No one... People are speculating there will not be enemy have lands. Oh, interesting. So, mm. like normally when they or they'll save them for later. Save it for later. Is yeah, that, that, that the consistent terminology now? Have lands? It's not no, tango lands said. or battle lands. Battle lands is what I've seen the most. Yeah. Just because it's. I just don't like them. The We've already got. We have lands in the same set that actually do battle. It's true. Yeah. You have shambling vents and uh, 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 falls. Uh, uh, uh. That's like if anything should be called battle lands. It should be those. And by the way, we're not calling them man lands anymore. We're calling them folk or creature lands. Folk lands. Creature lands. Yeah, just because, because we're trying we, to be politically correct. Yeah, we don't want to be. We want to be gender neutral. We want to be gender open. neutral on this part. Okay, fair. We want to be open to you know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, I'm just gonna put that out there to all the listeners. If you can, okay. I would encourage you to, to to you know. It's hard because I we just said manlands, but right, right. I'm just trying to change it. Fair Six enough. years of me saying the same. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, but definitely make a concerted effort. So moving on on things speculating. So let's talk about those guys or folk. The folklands. <laughs> the folklands. What we're. I mean, we're. And that's see when you record in a kitchen, sometimes you almost light yourself on fire. Yeah, yeah, that was the gas <laughs> uh, from the, uh, the, the stove. Kessel's leaning against the stove. Yeah, wow, well, there's not a lot of space in here. All yeah. right, so <laughs> Guylands, uh, uh, folklands, creature lands. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty much guaranteed, don't you? No, no I, I definitely think we're getting them. But I guess I'm asking is what what I mean. We're getting a blue red one, uh, yeah. a white red one, uh-huh. and a green black one. Do you think they saved these three because at least two of them will be the better two? Like blue red and black green are the best modern colors probably ever. Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. So blue red traditionally, when you put like a like a blue red effect onto something you can animate, like let's say like a key rune or something like that, it tends to be loot. Some sort of a looter or some sort of like some sort of a looter or some sort of like a if it deals damage, you draw a card. Yeah. Kind of a deal. I feel like they were getting prowess. I feel like you're getting yeah. like blue-red for a 1-1 one, one that has prowess or a 2-2 a two, two that has prowess. It's not a bad idea. It would have to cost more if it's a 2-2. Two, two. No, because the thing is, is you because it's prowess, it doesn't matter unless you can cast multiple spells at a turn, so you don't want it to be too expensive. So it would cost you three mana to make a 2-2 two, two that would then require you to like cast another spell for it to be a 3-3. Three, three. Or it costs... I mean, who? I, I think a 1-1 one, one for blue-red prowess on a man land is interesting. For blue-red. For blue-red. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it can't be lower than two. Than blue. I mean, I think I don't think it would be too powerful if it was a two two comes into play. Tap produces blue red for blue red becomes a two two prowess. Like because then you're spending three mana to get a two two, and if you spend another spell and it's a blue red deck, so you probably want to be able to protect them so you don't just get blown out. You at that point you need to leave up like one or two mana. So you're and to, I mean, man, I, I think blue red it's just too good. Really? It's, yeah, I think it would have to be one blue red. I, I I would be I wouldn't be surprised if one blue red. I, that's completely what I'm expecting. I'm saying that I probably think they could print just for blue modern, red, but for standard. But standard modern's the problem because Gitaxian probes yeah. here, like those are in. But modern. you got yeah, standard standard's, good point. standards good point. where it's not like it's not like the amount of times you're going to be able to cast animate that land and get a prowess trigger before turn that's five that's in true. standard is so low that I don't think they care that much there but also in modern i mean you don't really want to be adding more tap lands to your deck necessarily so you're playing maybe one or maybe two you can't play more than it one depends two. blue white plays four celestial colonnades yeah but that's their literally their john plays condition. three red green and two uh the the ape the ape village one again those are but those are decks that are slower and more big mana blue red decks traditionally like a prowess card is not a card that you're going to be wanting to try to win on turn 12 with that's a card that's probably going to want that to be good on turn five 
Turn four. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Two mana. Yeah, We're on maybe. the same page. It sounds sweet. Because <laughs> it, it is... costs three, because it's two mana plus the creature that's attacking uh, yeah. you. Yeah. I'll be very excited if it's blue-red for a 2-2. Two -two. I, I will bet against that. It's yeah. going to be... If... It's blue-red color. It sounds yeah. way more likely. What if it was like blue-red... What if... What if it was like blue-red wastes? Like blue-red diamond for like a 3-3 three, three Well, we didn't even get into talking about... Because it's really interesting to think about... Now, are we going to have gold cards that are like... A diamond and a blue and two color and two generic mana. Maybe like those aren't know. those aren't gold. So uh, Mark Rosewater has answered questions oh, about this he? already on on his Tumblr, and it basically is that's still just a blue card. Um, it's possible that for this set they'll give it devoid because on gotcha. theme it makes sense to do that. But, but that those do exist then. Those do exist. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll have a two colors devoid or a two colorless, two generic blue. There we go. <laughs> Why did they name them Wastes, by the way? Because we already have Wasteland. Well, so now, but that affects two I'm just formats. Saying, <laughs> but it, no, it affects all talking about it, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. How horrible for modern would Wasteland be? A reprint of it. Just just quick question. I think we've talked about this before. Uh, I think it'd be problematic, but I said last podcast that I'd rather it than Blood Moon. I would rather it than Blood Moon, too. Yeah, if they banned Blood Moon and then, and then reprinted Wasteland. I think Wasteland's a problem in standard, though. Yes. I don't think it would have been in the world of mono blue and mono black devotion, but now it's too late. Could you make it no I think you could do a tectonic edge that's slightly less bad. Conspiracy cards didn't become modern legal. Now stifle's not modern legal. No, so. you you it has to be in standard. That's mm -hmm. the flaw of modern. Okay, what are the other two folk lands, creature lands that were color combinations that we're missing? Black, it's green black death touch. Green, green black death touch is They're a all color and most the the combination that belongs to both so like yeah death green touch, black death touch is is almost for sure death touch regenerate maybe or something like that i think it's just death touch just death i think touch. Just like it, like a a two four death touch for three mana something like that that's that see again that's gonna be four mana like look at look at uh sure um, four four minutes yeah, yeah. I, I, whatever i mean <laughs> so I'm, I'm obviously pushing it as playable as possible <laughs> so, so exciting but we saw lumbering falls and shambling vents and they're expensive to activate true but i think but what I was kind of saying is because of the Battlelands, because of how exciting, I think they maybe saved the more exciting Manlands for the next set. Especially because like blue-green is pretty classically unplayed in modern, and this is what, if they're looking at older formats, that's where Manlands have seen the most play. And black-white also has been pretty under underplayed in the format. Where, right. like, but they made the black-white one cost five. No, it cost three. It cost three. Oh so yeah, you're two, right. It's lumbering. Like is it lumbering falls? It costs four. 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 Three. three. So four it's, for it's five in my mind because it's four and the card. It's weird yeah, because yeah, when yeah, we yeah, did yeah. our when we did our battle for Zendikar review, we both put the Manlands as the number one best card. But like, I can't think of a place that either of those cards is Black good. Black tokens. It's playing the two three for sure. It's just because so historically the Manlands are, lands good. are good. Yeah, and they they're always just going to be able to see and, play. And people are pretty low on them, and the black white ones seeing a ton of play in standard. So like I, I I wouldn't be surprised in the long run they see more play. Yeah, but I do think the two colors they'll be looking out for are those two and red white's one that I don't even double guess strike first strike double strike double strike or haste. Haste is worthless, I would think. It doesn't just, it come to play tapped, or maybe it just doesn't come to play. You can like pay mana to untap it, and it, mean, it has haste. Slayer Stronghold. <laughs> wow. Slayer Stronghold gave <laughs> a creature far. vigilance and haste, and that was the last time we saw a red white uh, spell land sort of thing. So, but it's probably strike, first like strike. Sunhome is double strike. It's probably first strike. First strike exists. They're not going to just copy. They, they wouldn't just copy the effects of Slayer Stronghold. Is my point because uh, it would yeah. be too boring. So I think you would. I think double strike makes way more sense. It's the most interesting thing to do with it. It's really powerful. But I think like a, a, it's like a two one double striker or something, or yeah, even like a yeah. three three for five, like an expensive man. A three 
power double striker though is crazy powerful. Yeah, but for five, like it a bashes five for a six. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, yeah, but look at look at uh, what's it called? Uh, the land, the green red one, the green red land. Like after the second activation, is also bashing for six. Yeah, that's true. But I'm I'm saying like I'm looking at the more recent ones and thinking the power level is going to be more equal to that. Oh, that that's I guess that's what I'm saying. I think these yeah. will be more powerful than the other two. And I think the hex like hexproof is not as good on a land, same as double strike, because you can't attach things to it as easily. Yeah, yeah, true. But I mean, if it's three yeah, power yeah. already, that's plenty. Well, anyway, you know what we should do is we should read Kozilek because that card's a little bit crazy and it right, probably has some modern that. implications. Well, there's uh, uh, Kozilek's on the the outline. We're gonna get there. Let's get to him. Uh, <laughs> but first, so one of the things with the set while I look this up is Kozilek, or while Josh looks it up, I'm gonna give Josh the job of looking up Kozilek. Very good. <laughs> I think I haven't memorized. Uh, is so. In the first set, Ulamog was the big deal. Now Kozilek and his brood, which is these cool diamond. So like, I'm really interested back to Emrakul, by the way, and seeing what Emrakul's yeah, land right. looks like. I want to see like, is it tentacly? <laughs> it's spaghetti. It's just it's a spaghetti, spaghetti land. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's got sauce so, and everything. So for those who don't know, Ulamog, whenever he would waste the land, basically, uh, it becomes much more like coral, like a skeleton coral-like substance. and But... Uh, Kozilek makes it this cool geometric diamondy looking um, rock substance. When he wastes the land, you said. When, when they like suck the color out of something. Oh, okay, and this is like a an art thing or a yeah, yeah this is a, a not flavor, a flavor thing, thing. not like a gameplay thing. No, I no, 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 no. So, though, so the thing is, is that Ulamog no is all about not matter. digesting and ingesting. <laughs> so, like the whole theme of Ulamog of eating stuff was yeah. his. Kozilek is much more about drawing energy from colorless things. So there his entire subsect of dudes are going to be about creating and using this diamond mana. Gotcha. I mean Kozilek is originally the butcher of truth. He has to do with like ciphering and coding, right? He, well he's, he's he like he draws four cards. He's he's so the one that his, warps reality. Yeah. So yeah, his yeah, yeah. stuff looks like it's sort of almost like a cipher or a code right. in the rock. Yeah, when they describe his like weird head diamondy thing, it's like you can't fathom what shape it's taking because it's it messes with your mind yeah, yeah actually the rocks after he's done with them in waste sort of look like a maze almost yeah yeah, yeah. gotcha okay so i'm gonna read kozilek the great distortion eight diamond diamond so 10 mana total for a legendary creature eldrazi at 12 12 when you cast kozilek the great distortion if you have fewer than seven cards in hand draw cards equal to the difference also has menace so must be blocked by at least two creatures and has one more ability discard a card with converted mana cost x Counter target spell with converted mana cost X. So he's sweet for Tron. <laughs> Did the Tron land well, now is, produce is diamond? He, well, I guess he kind of is because they do play a lot of like, like once they get Tron mana, the one drop cantripy things kind of becomes less of a useful. Yeah, exactly. So you can so counter you, their one drop things. You can counter their two protect, drop like pyroclasms. Yeah, you can protect from like path. Yeah. yeah. Um, Does, is it better than, than Nulamog though? The drawing seven's big game. The fact that when you cast, but if him, you're sometimes you're going to cast draw seven, they'll be like, yeah, kill you. No, but Whereas he counters. Ula, he, he you draw seven in the seven cards, you can then discard to counter their spell. Yeah, yeah. true. But but uh, the thing about Nulamog is you cast and then exile two things, and that it it just feels like that's going to stabilize you a lot of I mean, times if, more. If when you than, cast the ten drop, they just kill you while it's on the stack. You have a problem with either of them, but once it or just attack you. I mean, this what this protects himself better than Ulamog does almost, because path is the bigger issue than than right, any but destructible. Right, Ulamog protects you better than Kozilek does. 
Even the, but the counter like if they're like oh, I tap out for Splinter Twin you're like well I discard this four drop that I'm playing in Tron now that they don't currently play but they may in the future or sure. you discard one of your three drops to get rid of their Pestermite then like he's doing just as much work yeah that's true so you think you would play Kozilek now over no I think Nulamog? you play one of each one of each well right now they're playing two Nulamogs right so I would say one of each of those and then one Emrakul so the next time they reprint the Tron lands they're going to produce Diamond Diamond and then Diamond 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 yes yes but they produce that now that's the next it's time they print eradicated. it, it'll just say no, so it's eradicated. Yeah. So just... if we get a set on Moto, for instance, because that's more likely right now than Tron Lands being yeah. printed anytime very soon, we'll see on Moto it'll be, and it might even change immediately. Like next time you look at your Tron Land, once the set comes out, it'll be Diamond Diamond or Diamond Diamond Diamond. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it just feels like to me like Ulamog stabilizes you in the moment a lot better than Kozilek does because you still have to get a card. And well, you'll you, have what, seven. what's better, Path to Exile or Counterspell? Because that's the difference between the two of them. Right, but two Path to Exiles and Counterspell. Two Counterspells. Isn't that funny how... Possibly. Uh, yeah. isn't, that <laughs> funny, isn't that funny how like Tron is synonymous in modern with like Eldrazi and like giant things, and now for a new player getting into it, it's good, they're just going to be like, oh yeah, it was designed together. Of course like, Tron speaks to me because I'm a commander player, and Tron is the closest that any competitive format, well, at least modern or standard, has right. to like a commander deck. It's It plays a lot like just a commander deck. Yeah, yeah, ramp, 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 ramp. Oh, I have a big huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like a new player will like look at the they'll like look at the Tron lands once they have a new version out there, and they'll be like, oh, well, obviously, if I was going to play with these lands, I would play with these giant creatures that require these lands. Right. Why wouldn't right. I, right? <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it tells you yeah. right on the card. Well, it will. One, one of the arguments, because we talked about ban lists last week, and uh, I think it was Corbin Hausler from Brainstorm yeah, Brewery Hausler. brought up just banning 8th and 9th edition outright. Completely. Completely. And like, there's a lot of problems with that that we don't need to get into. But one of my points was, if you do that, then you just... Tron's I think just gone, right? Tron's gone, but I think you unban the, uh, the Locust lands. Mm, wait, no. Why? Because because you want the one deck that can cast Eldrazi and Modern to exist. Weren't those this, this so unfair? Yeah, but I think they were unfair in an era where Modern didn't know what Modern was. I don't know, man. That was you could get to a billion mana so fast. And you can get like twelve how, of them. How is it? It was turn three. It wasn't turn. It was wasn't quicker than turn three. Ugh, I, I just seem to remember like watching that and, and just being like, this seems really busted. Because Summer Bloom is also gone, so you no longer have the. Oh, okay. In this universe where they've banned out two complete sets, basically rotated two sets. I mean, we know they're not going to do that. Yeah, we'll probably do an episode discussing what that would look like. I will say when we did our eighth and ninth set review was just weird. The entire experience, right? Because those Mm. two sets are sort of on the far end of what core sets used to be, which was like here's a bunch of answers because no one's drafting this and we don't care. They are weird sets to include from the standpoint of like, yeah, those cards are not like cards after. Right. Or, right, or right. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And, and like 8th edition, like the thing is, I, it's harder for me to explain away ninth edition than 8th edition. Because 8th edition is so much more of a... 8th edition is just tatched on at the beginning. And I can see them being like, no, Mirrodin is the start point, not the weird core set beforehand. But ninth edition is like in the between. All three of those. 8th uh, edition and ninth edition. But then also 7th edition, even though I know it's not modern legal, they're all bizarre sets. Like. Yeah. We, I was looking yesterday to go buy some cards for an EDH deck, or not EDH, sorry, uh, for a Highlander deck, and uh, I wanted to find a foil opportunity, mm-hmm. and I came across a foil opportunity from 7th edition, and I was reminded that 7th edition was a white-bordered set, but the foils are all black-bordered. Is that so, true? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, only, yeah. 
Yeah, that's the only... My, my foil signed by Richard Garfield counterspell in Geist is nice. uh, from 7th edition. Nice. And Apparently, it was, it's expensive. It was the old kind of foiling where it was just the border, not the picture. Oh. So, and it's ugly, but like, but really, really uniquely strange. So I bought a foil black border 7th edition opportunity for like $1.90. That like, actually is... sounds sweet. Yeah, no, I was so excited. It's art, <laughs> it's, it's art that's like not the normal art, not the new art. I'd never seen it before. I mean, I think we can agree there's no way they ban out two sets. It it What it does to the format of modern oh, is yeah. says, hey, we're going to rotate. And as soon as you do that, I think people are running around and the, like, the roof is on fire. They're like, better off just banning off single cards. Yeah. Like, like Blood Moon. Yeah. Let's ban I'm with it. You. Blood Moon will probably go at some point. I mean, uh, they, just, they didn't reprint it, so. I threw that out at the boys from Heavy Meta and they on their show. They said, no, don't ban Blood Moon, so. They're I'm wrong. a little disappointed. I challenge Maddie them. And Kevy. Things, things they can come get... on and I'll yell at them for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> things could get really degenerate if they didn't ban it. Uh, all right. So uh, I have some questions now that Kozilek's back. First off, do you think they're going to be reprinting Kozilek's Channeler? Kozilek's double diamond Channeler? Now. Is that the five mana four four that taps to produce two? Yeah. This is a, a slight subtle thing into another reprint, but I, I do want to talk about this because it's Channel one of the biggest Origins? complaints about Wastes is that it wasn't in Battle for Zendikar. Right. It's such a big, major change to the game that it's something that you want to be in a large set, and mm-hmm. they didn't do it there. And the reason they didn't do it is because it's like a lot to be kind of explaining that and devoid and ingest, and pro- there's just too much in the yeah. set at one time. And it like it would have just been there and then not been relevant to any of the cards otherwise. But then you have Kozlik's channel, this guy that's supposed to bring Kozlik, but he produces two of the wrong mana, kind of. <laughs> Does he... He was from Origins? Is that what's going on? No, 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 he's in oh, he's Battle for Zendikar. So you were saying they'd put him in two sets back yeah. to back? With the diamond symbols now. So it's kind of represent the change. The so change? It's to make it less it's complicated like in the draft environment. Oh, no, no. It's like Dragons of Tarkir to Cons of Tarkir. Right, where you have the lands become dragony versus... Yeah. That Connie. literally sounds like exactly the kind... It's a common, right? Yeah. It's the, that sounds exactly the kind of thing that when they were designing cards for new players that they would never want to do because a bunch of players are going to open packs in drafts from the two sets. They're going to be like, why do my two commons that are the same card do different things? Well, that's, like, no, but no. the point is... They do the same thing. what they want you to do because they want them to ask, why are these two things different? They're like, oh, no, it's not different. And now you've learned a lesson learned through the power of pack opening. All right. Eh. But more importantly... <laughs> the Sounds card, like what they don't want to do anymore. The card that we think is going eh. to be reprinted is Inquisition of Kozlak getting reprinted. Yeah, that's got to be, right? I mean, I think so. Thoughtseize rotated. It, yeah. All we have right now is mediocre hand disruption. You need a hand disruption spell, usually in standard. Well, I mean, I think Despise is not the worst, but I do think I think we're getting Inquisition and Kozlak thing. So if you have Inquisitions... Now might be the last, the very, very last chance you have to sell them off get, before. Like, 13 bucks it's probably too late. Yeah, it might be too late. Yeah, it depends on it, who you trade it to. Yeah, that's true. Trading, it's probably still okay, but selling it to a store, they're not gonna. The buy list, I bet, has already gone down. I haven't checked it, but they're smart about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As soon as they saw the the leak of Kozlek, they right. probably yeah. Well, I mean, like to be totally honest, the because the the symbol for the set is literally Kozilek's oh, head. Oh, true. As soon as I saw that symbol. And like, uh, as soon as I saw that, I had someone else be like, hey, look, it's the exact same thing as the artist in a Kozilek promo art. And I'm just like, oh, Kozilek's in the next set. Well, we've been protecting Inquisition getting reprinted in battle. We thought it was going to be in battle. But, but there's no Kozilek in battle, so that's why it wasn't there. Yeah. once it wasn't in uh, Masters, Modern Masters 2, I think we all were sort of like, it's 100% coming back later. Right? It feels like it is. Yeah. yeah. All right. So... Last thing of speculation before we get into uh, some Twitter questions is which planeswalkers are going to be in the set? Huh. 
So what's our count now on Planeswalkers? What are we at? Like thirty nine or so something they, like that? There's a there's a few things to keep in mind. One, they said at the Comic Con San Diego thing that this set has appearing four of the five main Planeswalkers. So Liliana's right. on the set for sure. So then it has to be Chandra, Jason. This are the three missing. There's sixty six Planeswalkers now. Yeah, there's a lot. Oh, there's a crazy amount. Oh, yeah, but some yeah. of these, but some of these are Commander Planeswalkers, yeah. right? Yeah, five of them. Five of them. Exactly so five. Six, yeah. <laughs> so there's sixty one then. 61 Planeswalkers. That yeah, is legal insane. modern. So, um, but back to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got to be Chandra, Jace, or Nyssa, huh? Well, they've well, got... Well, except... Jace is the face of Innistrad. Return to Innistrad. So is he going to come out with a Jace in... Are we going to get a new Jace in February, January, and then a new Jace immediately in March? No, I, I think you get one in March. I don't, I don't think that you get... There's, there's no way... There's a Jace that's too good and too prominent now... But, but they were setting all this stuff in place before they knew how prominent. You no, know, they. That Jace was I mean, they be. pushed Magic Origins, but beyond the point, they knew there there would be three different Jaces released within six months. I'm just saying, at the point at which they're saying which Planeswalkers are going into Oath of the Gatewatch, they don't know yet how good something like Jace is. They no, have made suspects. But. True, but they do know how proliferate how. Like especially because they're going to push him for the next prolific. set as well. Prolific, yeah, yeah, yeah. They know how many they're going to be. I'm just saying it wouldn't be a deterrent because of how good Jace Vern's prodigy is for them to not put it in another set. I don't think that it goes no, into no, their calculation. I agree, I agree with that. What does go into their calculation is, I think, what you said: um, is there going to be a Jace, like basically three Jaces legal and standard at the same time? Right, and it's not even st- like it's almost block. <laughs> yeah, like within three sets, there's going to be three Jaces, that's, or four sets, I guess. But that's pretty insane within one year to have that one character. And he is the main character, and they're trying have they, to... Have they ever had a character who three versions of it were legal and standard at the same time? Garrick. Uh, well, here's the problem. Yes, but it's because of the fact that two core sets that had different versions of Garrick or different right, versions of Chandra... for that like five-minute period where the that, two core right. sets are in... It's never never be based off of... like Intended, like, full cycle... Full, yeah, like a regular... Release right, right, right. That, that weird standard period that used to exist because course when there were seven at the sets. same time yeah this but other than that no I'm just gonna say right now I, I know like I say it on here a lot I don't buy a lot of singles anymore sometimes I will but usually I just borrow your your modern cards right you have all of them uh, I'm buying four Jaces of the new Origins Jace because he's so like after we've teched that deck with Corey a couple weeks ago oh, it's, it's, he's, he's unless great. that card gets banned right he's gonna it's be not going in every format forever yeah. card it's is awesome bananas and it, but it's like it's in a fair way, it's not hating anything out. It's just yeah. it loots and it's good. It feels like it's in that perfect spot where it's very, very powerful, but you wouldn't really see it getting banned. Right. Yeah, like for instance, in the way that aggressively you can flash and snapcaster on two and then protect it and just have like a two one beater. Uh, Jace is a, a zero two looter that you have to play at sorcery speed that doesn't have haste. The best thing you can and do And all with the spells him, he can get back are sorcery speed. Yeah. The best thing you can do is play him as a zero two looter and then just like hope to get value. That's like why he's not unfair. Because medium game, he's awesome, but like you can't be that aggressive with him. You can't do anything unfair early on with him. He's just, you know, a really good yeah. mid range value engine. Yeah, that card's amazing. I, I, I don't think it's a bad idea to pick him up now. I don't see him going down. Right. I, I got only one, a banning. Only more. a banning can mess you up. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, I just don't think is likely. Yeah, I, I, I could imagine a heavy reprint in some way before we see a banning. So, okay, that's a really good argument that Jace isn't in. Right. Oath of the Gatewatch. And it makes sense because they keep showing Nyssa. Yeah, yeah. Nyssa has to be in this So set. it has to be Nyssa. And right. so it's, is it Chandra or Jace? So that feels like it's Chandra. Yeah. My only... T- I don't, I don't want to say it, but there was definitely some hint when I was at uh, PAX mm-hmm. that there wasn't a Chandra. 
really? in the block, which what, was weird. Was there any specific moment that was hinted at that makes you think that, or you just got that impression? I got that impression. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that's true, and I can be blatantly wrong. Um, there was definitely hints of, oh, I don't remember making a Chandra for this set. It was like a mm-hmm. word I heard offhand from someone behind someone, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. So who knows how legit that is, but... It does. It's it, it's interesting that like Nis is the only one that I feel comfortable saying is going to be in this set. I mean, they just can't show her as much as they do and not have her show well, up. Well, they right? showed her Planeswalker art already. Yeah, that's what I'm at saying. At the like the the um. If you watch any coverage, that Comic-Con, one shot of we her, we saw just her and her legendary creature BFF elemental. Here's a question. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Have we we haven't had a dominant Nissa yet, right? Not, uh, the, even, not the, even close. The, the fifth, the five drop one was very the good. M15 in one? The M15 one. The M15 one was very good in standard, and I would in modern never. When I say dominant, I mean like. Drop. When I say dominant, I mean a card that is ubiquitous or timeless, like in the sense that there's not like there's maybe. Oh, wait, well, you only have two planeswalkers that even fit that anyway. No, right? I mean Three, there's it's a four. You, uh, Gideon, oh Gideon, Elsbeth, Liliana, Liliana, and Jace have Find all the been. And new, new Jace, I would already put on that level. He's in every yeah. format. I mean, well, I'd say they banned the other one. Even, yeah. yeah. I would uh, say all three J- good Jaces, and even the fourth good Jace are all arguably modern players. No, and sometimes. I would I would go as far as to say Less I would go now, as far as to say Baby Jace has been has been that way for a long time. Yeah, I'm saying I'm saying Jace Vern Prodigy Prodigy Jace Bellerin Jace uh, Memory Adept and Jace Mind Sculptor have all seen play in modern, other than Mind Sculptor, who is banned, banned from. So there's there's like conception. ten or twelve that have been really 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 good. So I was just looking through the database, and I think this is pretty interesting. The reason I asked the question about Nissa is like. You can kind of find a version of almost every Planeswalker that has been really, really, really good in multiple formats. So I disagree with the statement full-heartedly, but you can continue. Many of them. So so Karn and Ugin, we forgot. They're both played in Tron in Modern. Yeah. Um, we forgot, and I was talking about it, but Tezzeret, 5-Mana Tezzeret has been played at Vintage. Um, yeah, but Modern is Tezzeret has been here. played in Modern and Legacy and Standard. Mm. No, absolutely. There's no question that that's I mean, true. it's seen play, but how many tournaments has it won? Uh, uh, Caleb Durwood won a... Like a legacy open with a no, with no, no. format. I, modern. <laughs> uh, I'd have done well with the Tezzeret deck. <laughs> like at least top fifty percent. Touche. Great. All right. That's so point ben, moving by on. Charge is probably going to be the reprint. There's no other red one. Yeah. Uh, Nissa apparently looks like she's everywhere. The question, I guess, is: Is there a third one? Well, if also, Jace seems Kiara, unlikely. Right? Well, Kiara's in it already. So she, yeah, I'm just saying she can cover the blue. Right, yeah, 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 and often that's how they pull it off. There's like a weird, yeah. like one of the gold covers one of the colors, yeah. and they'll have that kind of be how that works. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. The yeah. planeswalkers being printed. Do you think there's going <laughs> to be a viable ally deck after oh, both? more allies? It certainly seems like they're trying. Uh, in modern, there is an ally deck. Yeah, yeah, that I, deck exists. It's not collected company. It's definitely tier two. It definitely plays. Collected company. But how many cards does it need to be pushed towards tier 1.5 or tier 1? It needs one more aggressive ally. ally. Like a really, really good two drop. Like yeah. A, like a three power, like a three one two drop with some like amazing ETB ability or something. I would. That would be nice. I don't I, know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> looking at Battle for Zendikar, that's one of the things I expect from both of the Gatewatch is... More allies. More allies. There will probably be an ally standard deck. I mean, they gave us all the signposts for it. Right. There was ally encampment, march from the tomb, tons of allies. It just needs the other half of that set, and I think it's going to be interesting. But you know, one of the things I've been doing is just picking up ally encampments uh, when I can for cheap. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it feels like, and if that pushes all the way into modern, not just standard, then those cards would be been, worth a lot. You would have been correct doing with the Sliverland, and it's a very yeah. similar situation where I could see actually allies getting much more support in the long run. 
Um, I thought like a red ally that was like because you don't need the same like place for an al- what, allies. What about like a red ally that was like, um, t- like red colorless for a three one when it enters the battlefield it deals two damage divided as you chose amongst creatures and players and like three damage to you, and that's the same for all allies. So it's like totally burns you. It's aggressive. No, something like that. Wow. Maybe. I mean, it would be good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you could right. kill yourself too, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. red. Last but not least on this set of like crazy things that are going on with it. Well, I, I mean, Emrakul we can talk about more, but Two-Headed Giant. Oh, yeah. This is really interesting, and a card was just spoiled today. Yeah, uh, which is the octopus one. So we surge. know a new mechanic. Yeah. And and they've said that Two-Headed Giant is going to be one of the, what's the word for it? Focuses for this set? Correct. Um, and it is Crush of Tentacles. Let me see. Uh, I'm looking for the art. There you go. Uh, what it is is it's oh, yeah, six yeah, mana nice. for uh, returnal creatures with owner's hands, or is it permanence? Non-land permanence. Non-land permanence with owner's hands, and uh, make an eight-eight octopus afterwards token. But if you, what's the mechanic called? You may cast the spell for its surge cost if you or a teammate has cast another spell this turn. So surge is the new mechanic, and basically it's saying if you're playing two-headed giant and it's the only format I can think of where this works, if your teammate on this turn, cast something, you then get to cast this and for a cheaper cost. So right. it seems totally busted in Two-Headed Giant. So Crush of Tentacles, I'll just read the whole thing so people can get a better picture. It's four and two blue. It's Mythic Sorcery. It's like you said, it has Surge. The Surge cost is three and two blue, so the Surge cost is one generic mana less. Uh, surge again, you may cast this spell for its Surge cost if your teammate, or, or if you or your teammate has cast another spell this turn. So if it's the second spell you cast, you get a one mana discount, um, or your Teammate, sorry. And it says, return all non-land permanents to their owner's hands. If Crush of Tentacles surge cost was paid, put an 8-8 blue octopus creature token onto the battlefield. So you don't get the 8-8 unless you pay, uh, unless you paid the surge cost. And you can't pay the surge cost unless another spell was played by either you right. or your teammate that same turn. Does this card seem super, super sweet? I mean, okay, obviously for two-headed giant, it sounds cool. But is there some way in modern you'd be playing that similar to that extra okay. turn stack? I where you're like bouncing their lands with boomerangs and eyes of nowhere, and then you like get taxi and probe on turn five. And well, just that's like that's like in modern, and I don't think this is the card. And it might be like there that is that situation you mentioned where you can kind of time walk your opponent and draw an extra card and get an eight eight and all those good things. But I would be surprised if there isn't some type of card that is just overly good with Gitaxi and probe being printed. So or something that would be good in storm is yeah, another one. A free spell, right? So, like, if there's a, a surge with a cantrip attached to it, kind of like the demonic yeah. tutor that we got with spell mastery, right? Yeah, magic right. Magic right. Or if there is a like just fl- not flashback necessarily, but you get to cast a spell to your graveyard, or any type of card like that seems very interesting in this world. Yeah, agreed. Uh, even like a, a cheap one that lets you cantrip, or like, like make, or like, or like something that makes a token, or something like a cheap token, like it makes like a three three for. You know, maybe it's like three damage, and you get a three three if it's surge cost or something like that. Well, that's a question: is tokens associated with the surge bonus, or do you think it's just I don't that know. specific card because it's a mythic? Gets me excited. It's hard to say because we've only seen one, but tokens aren't necessarily related to blue that often, right? right. So there's right. a decent chance that it's kind of a, a, a cycle or something that yeah, they're doing. Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't know. It, it what we can probably say is that the surge cost is going to be less than the normal cost. And that you're going to get some additional effect on your spell if Correct. you pay the surge cost. So Correct. you're always going to be incentivized to co- to cast it for surge. Yeah, yeah. And it'll obviously be harder to do in one on one 
than it would be in two-headed giant. Right. But right. like you said, yeah, get taxi modern, pro, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, make yeah. it harder at all. That's just too, it, it, it's just you tack surge cost and then pay two life. Yeah, yeah. Not I mean not to mention like there's a one just there's a lot more one drops that are powerful that people are playing like just the serum visions yeah, before true. something like this right. like on turn 6. I mean not this card but like a different version yeah, of yeah, this yeah, card for sure. with this mechanic. There's also like um the Mishra's Bobble, which has been getting a lot of play recently because yep. Patrick Chapin has kind of been talking it up, is another card that goes really well with this effect. Like, what's cool about this is there's been similar things with that angel, the blue angel, that's a 4-4 four, four for three, that you had to cast a spell before you played it. Oh, Man. yeah, Illusory Angel. The Illusory Angel. Yeah. And, like, that was almost playable, but it was too much of a cost because you could never cast it without another spell, which means if you top... These are great because if you top deck a card... Yeah. You can still cast it. You can yeah. still cast it. You're it not does just, something. It, yeah, right, right. In, like... I, I'm very interested to see what we get out of this mechanic. Agreed, agreed. This is this seems like the most spikiest mechanic we've seen so far. Well, it's just interesting because Two-Headed Giant is not the most spiky thing, right? right so right, it's like right. a spiky mechanic on something that was meant to be focused on more casual... Yep. Yeah, but that's always good when they find ways to split the split the difference. I mean, that. I'm excited to just play a little more two headed giant just yeah. because I just like the variety of like. Well, sometimes we can play two headed giant. Maybe I'll play two HG at the pre release. When is the pre release? Three weeks like that? Four weeks. Okay, it's the it's the last week it's of the January. S- yeah, no, no, it's the second to last week, right? Isn't the set released on the like? Oh, maybe I'm used to I'm used to old schedule. You're you're right. I don't know for sure. Yeah, I think it's the eight the weekend of the nineteenth twenty. Oh, jeez, I should just Google it. I'm just looking at a calendar. That's a bad way to find out when the pre-release <laughs> is. So, you know, look at a calendar and guess. Well, while you're on your phone, why don't you just Google? Right. So, but while while that is going on, while you're looking it up, uh, I would say, oh, this is what I say. I wanted to do this for a while, and this is not modern related. This is commander related. But we have Josh here. Okay. Oh, uh, and two-headed giant related. I think two-headed giant is the most interesting way to create a competitive commander format. Oh, interesting because because you could do a tournament structure around it because there's actual winners and losers between matches. You're not like, well, I was third place. How does where does that put me? But I killed that guy. Like, there's not as much of a because my my problem with competitive commander has always been there's a question of who who really won. Because yes, you were the last person alive, but if he killed four people and you just happened to like not die, then no, it, you you really won because part of commander is the politics of right, right. Of that. But I, I, I think the you. question is actually collusion. That's the problem right, with competitive right, right. commander. Really quickly, the pre-release confirmed is on January sixteenth. Okay. Here's the thing about commander. Here's uh, thing. I will literally get off an airplane from Hong Kong and like walk into a pre-release. Sweet. <laughs> awesome. Here's the thing about commander, and this is we, we we talk about this when we talk about Highlander Roulette because obviously Highlander Roulette was born from commander. Right. That was where it came from. Um, you lose too much of the creative and fun element of deck building in Commander if you turn it into an actually competitive format where there's prize. Just the same way that we talk about if they don't ban cards in Modern, the pros figure it out and spike the decks out to the point that like there's not a lot of innovation until they change things up. It's even worse with Standard. When Standard actually gets solved, it's solved. And like that's the thing is with, with, uh, with uh, Commander... like. People are so creative with their deck building. They want to build a snakes deck, or they want to build a deck around this general, and they want to have fun. Like it isn't going to be fun, even if it is two HG. If you're building your deck in such a way where it's like this has to be the most efficient version of this deck possible, and the cards in this deck have to be the most efficient versions of these cards, because then it's a uh, casual I, format for a reason. From, so you can from, have fun with it. I, mean, I don't play. I mean, a lot that, of it, that's, that's the line between casual and not casual. But from my perspective, it's two at a giant standard sounds so boring to me. But two at a giant commander where you have your like like there's two generals fighting together to fight these other guys and your decks are much more v- 
varied sounds a much more interesting way to do something. And right. it's the only way I've ever played Commander, taking my Commander deck and played 1v1, and that's 2v2 technically, and felt not like this was just boring or unfair or someone's so... Because like, oh, I have Geist, because this Geist deck is just going to be faster than your green ramp deck. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. We talk about this a lot on our show because we get, obviously, a lot of people who want to play Commander competitively. and I would say, to it, a giant, do it. Yeah, that's a good that's a good idea, and we haven't played around with that too much, so it's not something we've told people to do. Uh, a lot of times, we're more sort of more on Ben's side here, which is, to me, like, Commander is not meant for that, and it's hard to corral it into that space. And if you want to play competitively, there's a lot of ways to do that. There's limited, there's modern, there's standard, and that's what I would say is... Those are designed for that ground up to be competitive. And, right. And Commander's not. So trying to push it into that space, it's always going to be a little bit clunky. Well, what you see when you see... So our friend Andrew Brown, who's a GP winner, obviously he's on the Pro Tour now. We got him in at one point to build Highlander Roulette decks. He mm-hmm. built a wheel. He built a whole wheel, and he just messed around with it for like a few weeks. And literally, the decks that he built were the most distilled versions. There was... There was no Burn, love combo, yeah. or creativity. It was like, I'm going to build blue-red spells. But and Andrew's not a brewer in the way that you're a brewer or I'm a brewer or Alex is a brewer. He's a spike. And that's he's going to build the deck to win. So that's my point, though. Yeah. If, you're, if you're coming at it from the point of view of someone like him who's in it to win it, that's the point, the building process becomes totally different. And that's where I don't think Commander's about that. Well, I guess my point is not necessarily take the emotions behind Commander. I think there's something interesting inherently to a singleton with a with a general attached to that singleton format. I think that idea of deck building is interesting and can be taken in ways that aren't always, oh, it's a bunch of guys hanging out and we're just throwing big spells at each other and don't care who wins, which I know is not always the case, but that's like the casual mentality. I think there's a way to take that interaction and that deck building challenge to a competitive level, and that's fine, but I think that two-headed giant is a better way to do it than necessarily Yeah. Well, and what two-headed giant does, if you're talking... 2v2 basically right. two-headed giant is it takes the multiplayer aspect out and honestly the multiplayer aspect is really what throws the biggest wrench into the competitive scene for right, commander exactly because you have to worry about things like collusion which is when i sit down at the table before the game start and alex and ben and i are already going to team up and kill the other two oh, before I've, we decide I've, I've done this at, yeah, at gp at where me and a friend where it'd be like oh it's commander five dollars each and i mean like we did it once and then we realized oh the the payout was so low that because it wasn't they know worth people it. can do that right right you could just spike them but, but like we made like five bucks each because it was like okay well you just play your combo deck and i'll play my deck that's all counter spells and i'll just let you win and then give me five dollars at the end of this and he was like yeah sure okay and then we did yeah, that and i got so you're for one you're a monster but for two <laughs> <laughs> in our defense the people we played against were playing pretty generic decks as well they just didn't collude at the time so to me, like that's what makes Commander really Commander is the multiplayer aspect it, more than the deck building restrictions. So if you keep the deck building restrictions, and then you take out the multiplayer aspect, that's how you make it competitive. All right. So last but not least, we got some questions from Twitter, and I'm gonna ask it of us, and we're gonna answer it real right. quick. This is gonna be similar to last week's episode, but it'll be condensed and smaller and Josh specific, maybe for a few of them. Sweet. All right. So. For everybody, tell us your best level up or light bulb moment in Magic. Uh, a few years ago, I was writing articles for a site called Casual Planeswalker that I think is now defunct. But uh, I remember writing an article about the realization that like, not complaining after a loss and, and realizing how to take a loss correctly to learn from it uh, competitively was like a, a big breakthrough moment. And it was kind of like I realized that at the end of every match, there was always this moment of like, 
well, if I had played this thing on turn three, or like, you know, if I had just hit my one blue source, or like, you know, he just, he hit turn two mare or whatever, I can't beat that. Like, these are the things we all have done. We all hear it. I think the, the moment that I realized, like, the law of averages are the same for everybody. Everybody will get mana screwed the same. Everybody will, you know, go up against an unwinnable card, an unbeatable card on turn two the same amount of the time. If you play a ton of magic over years and years and years, it's going to happen. So you have to take responsibility for your part of it and realize that, like, it is on you to get better. There are ways you can do it, but complaining about every loss and blaming it on something other than your own play or just bad luck, it is what it is sometimes. Even acknowledging it is the wrong thing to do. And I think I remember I wrote that in an article and I read it when I was done. I was like, wow, I learned something from writing this. <laughs> that was like a lesson I learned. <laughs> hey, so. teaching is one of the best ways to learn. Um, that's a really good one. I learned that same lesson from poker mostly, but which is that you have to sort of take all the variables away and just look at yourself at the end and say, what could I have done? That's the way you get better. Um, mine was probably, and I don't remember when I had the realization, and of course I heard a lot of people talk about it, and it sunk in at some moment, which was just have a plan and know like at any moment in the game, how am I winning this game and how am I losing it? And each play, does it go towards me winning or go towards me losing? So if, you, if somebody attacks and do I want to trade, well, I have to think, what's my plan here? Is it to you know, race them? Is it to protect my life total? Do I have to, does the game need to go long? Does it need to go short? I don't remember when I had that moment, but that's sort of the most useful thing at all points when playing Magic is right. what's my plan to win this game and also how what's their plan to beat me. And, you know, every move I make, I have to consider those two things. Uh, I think that mine probably was, there was a point where, you know, uh, and this happens a lot when you're beating where you like, ask for takebacks and when you make a mistake you kind of try and undo it and all that stuff and I I learned quickly that the best way for me to learn is to actually punish myself I'm like oh no I tapped my long mana and my most of the time your opponent will let you get away with it but like no I screwed myself I have to deal with this problem yep and just like never letting myself get away with kind of those small mistakes to make sure I stop making those small mistakes because eventually you run into opponents that won't let you get away with it and it's better that I'm mad at myself than them because they're just playing the rule. They're playing the game correctly. I shouldn't be mad at them. I should be mad at myself for making the mistake. And by holding myself accountable, that really helped me get better in the long run. Absolutely. Oh, those were all really good answers. <laughs> I'm impressed. Uh, what card from the Commander Precons would you want legal and modern that isn't? Uh, Dual caster mage. Really? That or <laughs> uh, Edric. Dual caster mage. And there's one other that's super sweet. You're just getting like all of them. True name. Really? True name would just wreck the whole no, format. No. I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want true name. I think it'd I think... be better in modern than it, less dangerous in modern than legacy. Purely off the fact that Liliana is a staple of the format yeah, more than it is that's legacy. A good point. I, st- I it's don't still want awesome, it in the though. format. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it, it's too good. It's it's for me. It's it's dual caster. That's the one. That's the one that I like the most. Boy, I'm not sure. Um, I was gonna say skull clamp, but. It, it, was, that's, that's, it, it has to be a card that was printed originally to be in oh, the Commander Oh, only sets. four pre Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I know my answer, actually. Go ahead. Uh, Duretti. Oh, that's interesting. I think that's a fairish version of uh, Goblin Molder. As the, Are you ever going to tap loops. out to cast Duretti, though? Yeah. you can. Ca- I, 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 there are ways to tap out that late. Playing black normally helps, and I do think there are some good incentives to play black-based artifacts with red in modern, mm-hmm. especially, but... I do think there are really cool abilities that don't... There's no abilities like that in the format because Goblin Builder isn't legal. So a cool artifact, reanimator strategy that he also loots so he draws you into spells you might need. There's a lot of cool things that he does. 
Seems really powerful. Oh, yeah, no, he'd be very, really, really good. <laughs> he might be too powerful, but he'd be really cool to be in the format. I don't think he's too powerful because he's a four drop that like doesn't do anything until maybe the next turn. Yeah, I think he, he's fair. I don't know what mine is. I just keep thinking ban Blood Moon. <laughs> right? Just get rid of Blood Moon. All right, so next question. Have they ever considered updating the Ruin deck from Episode 2 with new cards released since then? <laughs> Love both shows. <laughs> we get asked these type of questions a lot about revisiting decks. The problem with revisiting decks we've already talked about, and you guys probably... Maybe it might be easier for you. It's hard for us because there's so many decks. So every right. time we revisit one, then we're not covering a new deck. And for... Yes, there's a percentage of people that want to hear about us revisiting an old deck. That's just lower than the percentage of people that want to hear about a brand new deck they haven't heard about. So it's hard for us to do that, and we have done it once, and we may do it again. I can't promise it's Rune. Fair enough. Yeah, it, when it comes to revisiting, we do it a little bit more often, I think partly because our metagame shifts. Yeah, and you got to be on top of like Bannings exactly exa what, right. like, you know, if eight cards change, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like the where, difference between Grixis Twin and Grixis Control is eight cards, and those eight cards are completely different decks. So, right. like, it, it definitely has a different phase. And also, if we have a, a guest that's very adept at a specific deck or just took that deck to a great finish recently, interviewing them about their deck that they did well with is more interesting often than it, even if we've done the deck before. Yeah, I mean, that's covering competitive decks. We've, I mean, we've gotten a ton of tweets uh, since we've put up like several of our Aristocrats and Hunted Handsome and, Co and Burning Coco, some of the brews we've done. And, and we get periodically every week or two, somebody will tweet, hey, can I can't find the list for this? Can you guys post it again? And so I think there's a good chance that down the line, some of those greatest hits will probably you know revisit once or twice. But I think a lot of the constructed decks, you kind of just take them as they come. And if they place, maybe you revisit them or something gets banned. Yeah, you guys have good reasons also. We don't have, like, there's not a Commander GP this week or next week that says, oh, this deck finished first and therefore I should talk about it. We don't have that. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, what is What are the first good modern staples to pick up outside of dual lands with your first $100? Fetch lands? Well, I mean, that's a dual land. I think, oh, I think that counts as a dual land. That's tough. I mean... It, Serum Visions? I guess it's just that the thing I is. Think, don't you think it's going to get? Uh, I mean, it could be banned at some I, point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do think that's an issue. Uh, I think like Path, uh, Kitchen Finks, like those kind of like the commons that are kind of expensive. Do you think like, it's it's better to do that or to go towards like one deck? I think it. Well, we've talked we talk about this a lot. We mm -hmm. do think that. I always say proxy first, see what you like. There's flaws to both. There's strength. Mm -hmm. Like If you're going to go for cards that are good in multiple decks, your decks are going to be more expensive, but you're going to be able to play many of them, which is the process I went through. I, I invested in many decks versus some of the specific ones. But if you, It's short-term versus long-term, right? Right. It's easy to get into affinity Ish, because you can drop under a thousand dollar, you know, five hundred bucks to get all but the cards. But none of those it. cards go but into the other. Yeah, decks, you can't yeah. use them in any other deck. I would identify what is currently being printed and played. So if there's a, for instance, take Thoughtseize, a great example. Thoughtseize isn't Theros. When Thoughtseize isn't Theros, and it was in standard, seeing a lot of play in standard. Yeah, actually, I would say buy yeah. sets of Thoughtseize right now. But it's a good example. Or during the summer when when Modern Masters two came out, about a month after when the people stopped playing. I mean, like now is actually a good time. You go and you identify what are the cards that I see here that are, these are safe. These are sort of the faces of the format. They're everywhere. And they're at their lowest because they're in standard. So I should get them now. Like Thoughtsea is when it was at the, you know, standard was going to rotate. If you could have identified at that moment. Right. Okay, I should just go get four of these because this is going to be a card that's always played in modern. It's always going to be a four of in tons of the decks. And it's a good chance that if I buy four now, a year from now, if I don't want these anymore, I'll be able to get at least my value, if not double the value. Correct. 
And that's the best way to approach it because the thing is, modern buying is, a bunch of the commons is also like getting lightning bolts, getting path. That's why I was saying path. Like all these cards are not are expensive, but for a hundred dollars, you can get your place in a path, kitchen finks, lightning bolt, thought seizes. Even like there's a lot of cards you can get your hands on that you're just going to need forever. Here's my only problem with that: um, you I, might spend a hundred dollars and you still can't play modern. Well, but like, there's but here's currently the, no way to spend a hundred dollars and play modern. modern. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so, that's I guess a, like. Invent a brew that cost five dollars, but like, here's the best example I'll give you. So when we, you know, I, I referenced it a couple times on the show, Highlander Roulette, right? It's a format that the point is every card in your deck is supposed to be foil. So the the building restrictions are that every card has to have a foil version, but you can buy proxies because it's a casual format for us. Most of us, the vast majority of our decks are just printed proxies, mm-hmm. but you know, periodically you go through and you replace them with real cards. Occasionally, I'll go online. I'll place an order on one of these major websites. You know, spend a hundred or two hundred dollars and just try to fill out several of the decks. The rule is, if I can get the foil for cheap enough, I'll get it. If I can't, I'll get the, the regular card. And if the regular card's too expensive, I'll just skip it because it's not worth it as a casual format. Problem is, what you find is you spend one, two, three dollars on all these lower cost foils. In the end of the day, you look at your collection, and none of them are worth anything because no one's going to pay you for foil, you know, reckless spite. Like the the bottom line is, if you're going to yeah, buy, but like buying a foil reckless spite versus buying a path to exile, my path investment's just a way better but investment. No, because let me tell you this: I I don't Actually, think right spending now. three and four and five dollars on single cards in modern long term, if you're going to sell, have to sell those cards back off to get your money back to buy other things in modern, makes anywhere near as much sense as spending like. $100 on four copies of one staple that will probably maintain the value because getting 25 for a card you spent 25 on versus getting three for a card you spent three on is totally different. It's the Path to Exile is everywhere. It has a stable value, right? It has a stable value that like you'll have to spend that much, but the, the vendors have so many Path to Exiles, they're not going to buy your Path to Exile for anywhere near as much as they'd buy your Arid Mesa for. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what, what? Sorry. Josh. What is the secret to opening up all of the expeditions? How many did you open? Well, it's not me. The secret is have your girlfriend open <laughs> the packs. Because let me just let me just tell you, uh, for you gentlemen out there, if you are a lady, then you should open your own. Because they call it lady luck. They don't call it dude luck. So I let my girlfriend, Elle, open all the packs of Battle for Zendikar. And I think we're at 12 now. I thought oh, this wow. was a gender-neutral podcast. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, she has, <laughs> it's Lady Luck. I didn't name it that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You don't have as good a luck. Uh, how folk, bad, folk luck? how, what do you think the price of foil wastes are going to be? $10. They're going to be high. Oh, more, you, more than 10? Yeah. I mean, it depends on what point on the timeline you're talking about here. If you're talking about right. a year, if you're talking about a year out, then maybe. Well, so here's, I mean, this is a question that I think we didn't really answer, I guess, but what real use are wastes? I mean, there will be useful for, the, like, if you want to just play the all Eldrazi deck, theoretically, but, like, in reality, in Commander, I guess that's the main place. Commander. And and the problem right now with colorless decks in Commander, so if you've got, like, Karn or Kozilek, right. uh, Ulamog as your Commander, then you have to cobble together this weird mana base that's mostly, like, non-basics that tap and do something ghost quarters yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that and it, you can get totally hosed by things that destroy all non-basics and things like that right and okay so you really would want wastes in most of those cases uh so i can see the foil waste being like really and there's not gonna be that many of them because we've only got this one set right now so i think they're probably gonna be worth quite a bit i would pick up foil waste for under ten dollars all day long okay purely so you can get foil waste for cheap do it um 
what are the top five Masters of Modern top ten episodes? <laughs> well, I mean, the artifact episodes? one is number one. The spell because the spell skite episode is like got to be number one. We had okay. no, there was a, there was an episode recently, one of our best. It was the white cards episode, I think, and it was because we did the white cards episode had the same thing as the uh, the the battle, the duel of who's uh, who's what was it like. I don't remember the white episode. No, this is the Oriac Champion episode. No, no, that was top. Uh, um, Mirrodin. Mirrodin cards. Okay, Mirrodin most influential cards really Mirrodin good. cards, and then it also had the the duel, right? We each had to defend one crappy card that we wanted to see. Yes, more. yeah, yeah. And plunge it and plunge into darkness, lost to spoils from the vault. And that was how you got dinner off me. That was yeah, which yeah. you haven't bought me yet. I'm yeah. hungry. <laughs> yeah, by got you meant should have. Yeah, got. yeah, yeah, yeah. You have I owe you. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. All right. Uh, is there an archetype other than elves that is competitive in both commander and modern? Hmm. Good question. Yeah, it's the Tron colorless, like, just green rampish kind of. Yeah, and and, and there's definitely colorless Eldrazi well, ramp decks in commander, and there's a colorless Eldrazi ramp deck in. And I think blue red control combo has always been a thing in command. Like like twin it, twin is the combo, but like in reality, it's a bunch of good blue red cards that eventually they combo out, and like that's what Niv Mizzet decks have been since the beginning of the format. Or yeah, right. kind Niv, of. Niv Mizzet, Fiddy, and I. It's just like a thing all the time. Um, I would say that. I almost want to say, other than the hyper-aggressive burn strategies, I've played almost against every single modern archetype as an EDH deck at some point. Yeah, I, I Craig think has that's 25 fair. Infect decks at this point. Oh, my God. Oh, Infect, yeah, of <laughs> yeah, course. Uh, yeah, that's... There's definitely a bunch of, like, He, he pared it control. down, I think he's only got, like, nine now, he said. Okay. Yeah. Affinity. Only nine Infect decks. Uh, Affinity is, it... is basically, like, an artifact-based yeah. deck, which definitely we have. Yeah, so sure. I, I definitely think there are... Scapeshift, I'm sure... Scapeshift, not as much. Cool. The problem with Scapeshift is the... Well, uh, if you if categorize Scapeshift as a ramp control deck, for sure. Yeah. You for sure, ramp control. Scapeshift. But there's, the problem with Scapeshift is you can't kill everyone. You can yeah. only kill one player. Oh. Uh, so yeah. it, it makes it much more difficult. As a combo deck based around Scapeshift, no. As Scapeshift... Uh, as a card? card in this format? Yes. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, played in Borgrimus because then I get all my lands in my graveyard that I then can reanimate with the thing and then throw people's face. All right. So yeah, that's it for the questions. Um... I want to think, yeah, that's it for the episode. Woohoo! We that, made it. That kind of a long episode because we kind of rambled at different times. But uh, okay. I wanna, it was fun. Uh, I want to remind everyone to follow us on Twitter. Uh, we are at the MM Cast. I am personally at Kess Wiley. I am at Ben Bateman Media. I am at Josh Lee Kwai. You can follow the command zone at Command Cast. You can also find us right next to the uh, Masters of Modern podcast under the podcast tab on rocketjump.com. Yeah, that's our home. Rocket we Jump, live there. The show on Hulu. It's yeah. been out now for a few weeks. Two, um, three, 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 three episodes out now. I think there might be four by the time you're hearing this. There are three episodes out tomorrow because today is Tuesday for you, listeners. Oh, right. uh, the episode comes out on Wednesdays on Hulu. And you should definitely be checking it out. That show is sweet. really it's good. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, the other thing I like to plug now is uh, I do an action movie podcast called Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network. We've been doing uh, like 35 episodes now. We're gonna we're we're gonna hit two million views by the end of this year, which is exciting for wow. us. Wow. Yeah. And, nice. Uh, we just we just sit around and we talk about the sweetest lines and the sweetest action movies and we have all kinds of charts and rating things. So check that out uh, at AMA Podcast. Great, very right. cool. Thanks, cool. Josh, for coming by. Thanks for having me, guys. Yep. Have a good day, guys. Bye. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>